0: Well, I want you to turn to the Book of Ephesians, chapter six. Ephesians, chapter six. You're going to be looking at verse number seventeen. Ephesians, chapter six, verse number seventeen. Now, I have a visual today, and uh, I was running around earlier today, uh, acting wild, and and I was carrying the sword. It's amazing how people will depart from you when you're running up and down the hallways because they're thinking he has really lost it. He went to that knife store up there uh, in, in Pigeon Forge or Sevierville, wherever we were, uh, and uh, he done bought him a sword. Hey, it is, it's, it's not real, okay? My probation officer, that's one of the... Requirements is I cannot take sharp objects around. So, uh, but uh, so th- this is a, a, a sword, and, and this morning we're going to look at as we've uh, gone through. And by the way, you're thinking, all right, we we have covered the last piece of armor. No, 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 no. There's one more left, and we're going to look at that tonight. But today we're going to look at. The Bible says in verse number 17, it says that take the helmet of salvation and, and then take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. This morning is we're going to continue our series on fighting spiritual battles Uh, And by the way, understand, you have to have all the pieces of the armor, okay? You can't just hit and miss and you can't leave one off. That's the reason why it says the whole armor of God. And so uh, we're going to finish out the ones uh, except for uh, tonight. And of course, tonight we're going to look at, when you go to verse number 18, it talks about prayer. I'm telling you, prayer is a powerful weapon. We've already seen it. Brother Ronnie, I believe, will testify to the fact that uh, the prayers that he prayed about the retreat, he saw God answer. Uh, We can go on and on and on. I know Miss Aretta and her family, they're praising the Lord. Uh, They saw an answer to prayer. Many of you can testify that you've seen God answer prayer. But today, we're going to look at the sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And uh, notice... Of all of the, uh, the, the pieces of armor, this is the only offensive weapon. The rest of them were defensive. Now, you could argue uh, that maybe the shoes could be an offensive, but primarily they were all defensive. Now, I find it interesting. Uh, so there's six pieces. Five are defensive. There's only one that's offensive. But notice... The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's all you need to be offensive in your battle fighting. The Word of God is powerful than a two-edged sword, the Bible says. And so this morning we're gonna look at the, the, the sword, the sword of the spirit. Now, what do we mean by all of that? Well, first of all, the word sword, Oh, uh, it could be misleading. There was two different types of swords, if you will, uh, that Roman soldiers would carry. Remember last week we looked at the belt of truth. The belt of truth, the sword uh, would hang off of that. And so uh, they would have the, the sword and it would hang off the belt. And so when they're going into combat, they could take up the sword. But there's two different types of sword. Uh, in the Hebrew uh, or in the Greek, the, the first one, uh, uh, spata, uh, the spata, uh, is uh, referring to the sword that's uh, three feet long. It's three feet long. Now, here, the word that's used for sword here is not the one that's referring to the one that's three foot long. See, sometimes we get this impression that, okay, I'm going to get my sword out and and we're getting out there and we're being like Zorro. You know, we're just slicing and dicing and going, hey, take this, devil, and, you know, going like that. No, 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 no. The, The sword that he's referring to here is the Gladys. It's a little dagger, about 18 inches long. He would have it there in his belt. Now, what was that used for? It was used for hand to hand combat. And watch this. Somebody ought to have a spell on this one. So he's talking about the Gladius. He's talking about that you need to take up your Gladius when you're in the heat of the battle, when Satan is in your face. Nose to nose, toe to toe. You're not going to bring out a three foot because you're closer than that. Anybody been there? Have you felt like uh, the Satan has gotten in your face and he's uh, he's accused you, he's ridiculed you, he's slandered you, and he's lied to you, and he's been in your face, and you're fighting a battle, and you're thinking, I I, I just can't take it anymore. I don't know what else to do. Here's what happens. Here's what ha- when you fight spiritual weapons with with physical means, you will be defeated every time you're using the wrong weapon see you didn't take out your gladius and you didn't go toe to toe with satan and here again it's the word of god right and you went under here's what they would do in combat they would be right underneath the rib cage and the, the it was too it was two edge and it was needle point sharp. And so when they're in a hand-to-hand combat, they would take that gladius out. For us, it would be taking the Word of God out and we would go right under the ribs and go right straight to the heart, which means it was an instant death blow. Do you understand when you're going face to face with Satan that you have a resource, you have a weapon that you can use, that you can deliver a death bow to Satan himself? By the way, the death blow has already been given. That was taking place at Calvary's tree. But the battle that you're having to face, you have the authority, you have everything you need, you can bring out the Word of God and and you can go and say, Satan, you're not going to get in my face. I'm not going to allow you to be in my face. I'm tired of you accusing me. I'm tired of you putting me on guilt trips. I'm tired of you spiritually immobilizing me. I'm tired that you've gotten these punches in. I want you to know the word of the Lord says and we can give them a death blow. Well, that's good. I'm excited to know That when I'm face to face, and by the way, if you haven't been face to face with Satan, you will get face to face with him. And some of you can testify to the fact that He's given glancing blows to you. Many of you say He's dropped you down to your knees. By the way, that's a good place to be dropped down to while you're down there on your knees. Why don't you go ahead and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to give you power and to give you strength to get you back up so you can get back in the saddle because He says, I didn't make you, I didn't save you to be defeated. I made you, I saved you so you could be victorious in what I've given you in the Lord Jesus Christ's name, and so he we so he's talking about the guy. Now, well, Here's what happens. So we're fighting, that's Satan. I said, okay, and so we start fighting, and we we start getting frustrated. Ever been frustrated? Now, um, you are aware of the fact that I've had a couple of hot flashes, and uh, uh, and uh, ladies. I'm really sympathizing with y'all. And, and, uh, you know, you you feel like you're getting flushed in the face. And it feels like your blood pressure is getting real high. And I go run to Donna. I said, Donna, take my blood pressure. Take my blood pressure. And and here's what Donna says. Oh, you know, blood pressure wouldn't make you feel like the way. I said, take my blood pressure. Just take my blood pressure. And she takes it and it's like 130 over 75, which is pretty good for me. And I, I said, okay. She says, you're having a hot flash. But you get, you get flustered, don't you? Ladies, guys, just go ahead. Take a time out real quick. I'm talking to the ladies now. I'm bonding with the ladies. Ladies, isn't that a bad feeling when you get up there and you're like, oh, I'm burning up. Oh, yeah. Ooh, cutting some hair on here. And you know? And I, and I used to make fun of my, I don't make fun of my wife anymore. <laughs> I'm just telling you. And so you got your guy saying, You big sissy, you, I'm praying that you start having hot flashes too. Huh? But, but but we get flushed or we get we, we get upset. I mean, the first time I had one, I didn't. I thought I was having a stroke. I didn't know what was going on, and so I started getting really nervous and I get frustrated with that. Well, sometimes when we're going face to face and and and, and Satan is in our grill, that we are trying to fight this battle physically, and so we get all worked up physically speaking, and we get angry. Don't we get, we get angry? And here's what the problem. Since we can't see Satan, we can't direct our anger. So, what happens? The one who's closest to me gets my wrath. Or am I talking to anybody in here? Husbands, wives. You, you got some things going on. You got some, some issues going on. And here's the problem why you're getting angry. Here's the problem why you walk out the door and slam the door and get in the car and take a couple hour break. And you come back home and you feel the tension when you come into the room. And so you go to your room. She goes to your, her room. And you sleep on the couch. And in the morning, you go kind of grumble at one another and walk out. And then over the course of time, you calm down. Well, your battle's not with her, Ma'am, your battle's not with him. Your battle's with Satan. Satan was in your face and he was trying to put a wedge in between your relationship and you've gotten angry over it, but you couldn't get angry at the Satan because you were fighting with a physical... Uh, you were fighting with flesh and blood and you'll never win these battles unless you fight it with the right weapon. And so here's what the Bible says. James chapter 1 verse number 20 says the anger of the man and the anger of the man... Will not give you the righteousness of God. There's where we're at. And we wonder why we can't win this battle. It's because you allowed your flesh and blood to fight it for you. And when you let your flesh and blood fight this battle, you'll get frustrated, you'll get angry, and you will not have the righteousness. Of God, and if you don't have the righteousness of God in fighting these spiritual battles, you'll lose every time. So what do we do here? We, we see, first of all, notice it says it's the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. Now interesting here, the word usage, uh, there's uh, different words that Paul would use pertaining to the word of God. We see uh, uh, in in uh, uh, in uh, Second Timothy chapter three verse number sixteen, he talks about he talks about the word of God there, uh, and he says, "In all Scripture, is for what? Is for uh, correction. It's uh, and it tells it's uh, it's inspired word of God. All Scripture. Now, the word that he's used uh, that's used there is the written word, the written word of God. That is our Bible, right?" And so our Bible uh, is what you have in your lap or you have it on your, uh, on your Bible app or whatever case that you use. But here it is. It's, it's the Word of God in printed form. Okay? Everybody got that? That's what 2 Timothy 3.16 is talking about. It's talking about this Bible that you hold in your hand that it will give you, it will rebuke you, it will bring correction to you, it would encourage you, it's and it's inspired from God. But here's what happens. If you go and you're fighting this battle, and and you go, go okay, and you, you take your Bible, this is not the Bible, but it's illustration. And you'll say, all right, Satan, take this. Hey, Satan, take this. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It's the written Word of God, yes. It speaks to you. But if that's all you do, you're going to lose. Let's go ahead and go from preaching to meddling. Many of you take the written Word of God, your Bible... And you're going to lead this service. Some of you are going to leave your Bible in the pew. I cannot tell you how many boxes of Bibles that we have in a closet that over time we, we give out of people who left their Bible. We allow them plenty of time to reclaim their Bible If you go back to the Welcome Center, there's probably three or four Bibles back there that somebody left, for whatever reason, haven't come back and got them. Now, I know, there's. I understand there could be consequences. Maybe you have 14 other copies of the Word of God, whatever the case may be. But what good has that Bible done you when you're in the heat of the battle? You see where I'm going with this? coffee table. I've been in home after home. Don't see it quite as much now, but remember those big coffee size, they were big enough that I could read. (laughs) And and they're sitting there. And and, and you never would see them. It, It was for decoration purposes. Or you leave it in your car. And Sunday morning rise, and you say "Where's my bible where I guess I left it in the car. so all week long, your Bible's been in your car. You go and you're getting the you know the crystal uh, sack uh, full that you had on Saturday night you had to throw that out the side and your kids have got a, a whole meal in the floorboard there you know and you're cleaning that up and you, you've gotten clothes where you had a chain and so you're rummaging through that and you're digging around and now it's getting oh, we're, hurry up hurry up I can't go without my Bible can't go without my Bible and so you're late for Sunday school because you're looking for your Bible that you left in your car that has uh, been piled up with everything else on that and, and you, But you, find your, you finally find your Bible. You grab your Bible. You run into church. You sit down. You open the Bible uh, here. And then you go home. And what do you do? You throw it in the car. You pick it back up next Sunday. And you wonder why Satan's eating your lunch every day. And so here, 2 Timothy says the Word of God. He's talking about the written Word. Is there power in the written Word? Oh yeah, there's power in the written Word. Because you can open the written Word of God, and you can show someone, you can take them down the Romans road, and you can say, do you see this? Read this out loud. And they'll come to know Jesus Christ. Why? Because there's power in the written Word. But there's no power in it when you just throw it out there. Okay? Are you all with me? Now, second of all, there's not only that usage there, but we also see in John chapter 1, verse number 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The word there, uh, translated, means the message. Okay? Jesus Christ is the message, right? In, in, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word did what? It's okay to talk to the preacher. What did he do? What did the Word become? Flesh and blood. But the, the, the meaning of the word logos means, uh, it means that it's the message. The message is Jesus Christ. See, Jesus was the message. When Jesus showed up, He delivered a message. What He did, He delivered a message. When we teach or we preach from the Word of God, we are preaching a message. We're teaching a message. What is that message? That He died, He was buried, and He was raised again. The death, burial, resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's power in the message. Now, I know some of you have the translation uh, in your Bible, the message. And, and you, know, I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be critical, but uh, I'm thinking, yeah, but they did pick a good name for it because that's exactly what it is. Well, your Bible is the message and the message has always been the same. You start in Genesis, you go all the way to Revelation. The message is that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is the way unto salvation. So the message hadn't changed. We might have different translations. We we might have tweaked it, but the message is still the same. But here's what I want you to understand. The message also is like a two-edged sword. Because when you get, uh, when you look into the Word of God, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12, that it's a two edged sword. It means that it will, uh, and it will pierce us and it will open us up. See, the Word of God will open you up, it will do spiritual surgery on you. When you read the Bible, There are times when the Bible is going to go straight into your heart. And the Bible says, divide. It's slicing you. It hurts to be cut, does it not? If you've had surgery, that's the reason. Now, I have not been to medical school. I understand that. I'm not a medical professional. But I do know this. The reason why they give you the meds, they give you before they open you up, is because it hurts, right? So, I mean, you know, it says, well, you know, that's not the reason. Okay, the next time you have to have surgery, forego the the drugs. We'll see how long you last. It's going to be very painful. When they open you up, that's painful. For our lives to be opened up, is it not? This weekend, some of our men opened themselves up. And they were not ashamed. And they no longer wanted to hide what Jesus Christ has done for them. I'm telling you, before you can have a message, you got to be opened up. The Bible is like a mirror. It shows you for exactly who you are. And we looked at this as we can as well. And so, so we see, all right, but notice here, what, does, what is the purpose of the message? The message is to judge the intent of the heart. To judge the intent of the heart. Now, only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that for us. So, now, watch this. So what does this have to do with fighting these battles? When, when we got the sword, right, we got the sword out. We're not talking about the written form. We're not talking about the message in itself. We're talking about the spoken word. Now, very careful. What, 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 what are we dealing with here? The intent. When, the, when the, the sword of the Spirit pierces you and opens you up, and it, 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 it exposes the intent of your heart Remember the breastplate of righteousness? It covered your heart. The heart is deceitful. Don't ever use that term, I'll just follow your heart. You can go ahead and follow your heart only if your heart's right. But the Bible says your heart's deceitful. And if you base the decisions that you're making and you base how you're going to fight the battles that you're facing on how you feel about it, you're in trouble. You better be faced, and understanding that it has to be the power of God working in and through you to be able to fight these battles. And so, oh, so the Word of God. And so now you're thinking, you know what? I don't, I, I'm, I don't need that drink. Something inside me is telling me I don't need that drink. So I put that drink down. Watch when the sword gets in and starts piercing, it, it, the Bible says it goes all the way into the, the bone. It goes deeper than that. See, here's the problem why you're not winning the battle is that you have not allowed the Word of God to go deeper. Okay? You are catching on to this? And, and, and so, so now I have a, a, a temptation. And, and not only do I say, my head says, no, no, don't, don't, don't do that. But now, because I've allowed the Word to get in there, here's why I don't need to do that. Amen. And we, we talked a, a number, of, and this subject came about, about social drinking and, uh, and, and other things as well. Uh, but uh, that, we're not trying to get somebody to the point to where they say, oh, I, I no, thank you, and walk away. It ought to go deeper than that. It ought to go deeper. Hey, here's the reason why I don't need to go to there. That here's the reason why I don't go to that place I used to go to. Here's why I don't do this. Here's why not that. Not only because I know it's not right, but also I know it's going to damage my testimony. You can say what you want to about social drinking. You say, "Well, I just drank one beer a day. That ain't going to send me to hell." You're exactly right, but it will tarnish your testimony. It will rob you of the blessings that God has in store for you. Because the thing is, it's the, here's the bottom line. Let's, let's get honest with it. Here's the bottom line. We are more concerned about what we think about our situation than what He thinks about our situation. And so here uh, he says uh, that uh, we, we are, uh, got to go, go deeper than that. Now now I want you, here, then there is it's called the RIMA. The Rima is the spoken word, okay? Now, this is going to get good. The spoken word. So, you have the sword of the Spirit, right? The sword of the Spirit, not the written word. Uh, The sword of the Spirit, of the Word of God is the message. It's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about here when he refers to the Word of God in this text that we looked at this morning is he's talking about the rema, the spoken Word of God, where God speaks to you directly. Doesn't go through anybody else. He comes directly to you. In Genesis chapter 1, verse number 2. Uh, it talks, and I'm paraphrasing here, but in Genesis 1-2, it talks about uh, when God created. Now, how did God create? He spoke it, right? I mean, uh, I, hey, apparently, y'all are not getting it. It's okay to say, yes, yeah, so, uh, y'all, y'all are over there sitting like right there and says we're not supposed to talk in church. I'm not saying be disrupted, but when I'm asking you a question. Uh, did he not speak creation to existence? Okay, very good. Y'all are catching on. I am really, really glad y'all have made some progress here. By the time we're done with you, there will be no one left behind. Okay. (laughs) That's another story. But, okay, so, but notice in Genesis 1 2, it said the Spirit was hovering, right? Okay, you can't separate. Watch this. You cannot separate the Spirit from the spoken Word. Are, 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 do you see this? When He created He spoke it, but the Spirit was present. When He speaks to you, the Spirit is present. Okay? All right? So the spoken Word of God. So what does this mean? Now, this, this is really going to fire you up. When you're in the heat of the battle, and I mean, it's getting hot in here. Y'all are all are oh, killing me. Okay, when you're in the heat of the battle and He's in your face and you pull your sword of the Spirit out, you're not pulling the written word out. You're not pulling the message out, even though all of that's well and good. You're pulling out the spoken word. And when you are faced, Satan loves to hear you say something, well, I think I ought to do it this way. Oh, he loves that. Right, right. Or, hey, my, 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 my preacher said. Right. Now, you should trust what I'm telling you, uh, as long as it matches up with the Word of God. Now, outside this pulpit, I wouldn't trust anything I said to you. But anyway. <laughs> so, that, 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 that said. But I'm not going to be there when you're going face to face. It's you and Satan, one-on-one, Right? So you can't say, well, I think I ought to do this. Or my dad used to tell me this. He might have told you right. But when you're in the heat of the battle, here's what you are needing to be able to have that victory. God said, Amen. See, 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 when He's got, oh, this is good. <laughs> when God comes and tells you you're nothing, you're worthless, you are, you ought to, people would be ashamed if they knew about your past. And you've already confessed your past. By the way, I had a couple of conversations where the past and cannibal eating at them and they had guilt and whatnot. And I reminded them, if you've been forgiven, if you confessed your sins, if you repented of your sins and you came with a contrite heart, the Bible says, God says He's forgiven us. But not only has He forgiven you, but He's cast it as far as the east is from the west. And so when Satan's in your face saying you ought to be guilty, you don't need to be a member of that church. You don't need to come down anymore. You shouldn't be serving because of what you did. What you do, you pull out your gladius and you go, Satan, God says, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. Satan, he says, I'm more than a, a victor. I Lord, he has risen. Uh, he has resived. I was dead in my sin. Now I'm alive in Jesus Christ. So take that, Satan. Death blow right there. Now we're getting this. It's the spoken word of God. And no matter what you're going through this morning, you need to speak the word of God. And you need to pull your sword out. And you need to remind Satan who you belong to. Go ahead and accuse me, Satan. Go ahead and say, I'm worthless. But God says... I'm worth. I'm worthy because He died for me. He shed His blood for me. And I'm letting you know, Satan, go ahead and accuse me. But God has told me something different. Woo! Is that not good? And some of you, some of you have not used your sword. Some of you have tried to be reasonable. Some of you said, I can work this thing out. And I know we go back to, oh, about tithing and whatnot, and, but Satan will be there when you're saying, you know, we need to be faithful, honey. We need to go ahead and we need to give a tithe of what God's told us to do. And so what do we do? We go down, we write all of our bills out and, and we go like that and say, well, honey, we just can't do it. And Satan's over there saying, that's right, that's right. Hey, Listen. He ain't going to get too upset over this. By the way, nobody else knows that you're not being obedient. So you just keep on doing what you're doing. Everything's going to be all right. So we figured, oh, I can't do it. When you should have got your sword out. And you should have said, but God said that He honors obedience. But God said He'd be faithful. But God said He will not leave nor forsake me. You see the difference here? So the problem with many of us, we haven't used our sword. You need to base everything that you face on the Word of God. What does God say about this? I like the story. There's an old man came to a lumber yard. He was an old man and he had a Back in the day, he had the axe. And uh, uh, he he shows up at this lumber yard because they were hiring some some uh, loggers, you know, cutting trees down and whatnot. So the old man comes up there and he had this axe and he goes talks to the owner. He said, hey, I heard that you were hiring some guys. And the owner uh, said, uh, yeah. And he looked at him, you know, had gray hair, and, you know, kind of a little frail. But, you know, he said... Uh, well, why do you ask? He says, well, I- I'm going to apply for the job. So the owner looked at him, chuckled, and he says, Oh man, you, you can't handle this job. You, you must have understood. I'm-, I'm looking for people to-, to cut trees down. He said, you wouldn't last half a day. Old man said, just give me a chance. He says, okay, go ahead. Old man goes out. At the end of the day, that old man had cut down more trees than any of the other guys, guys that were a lot, lot younger. Well, the owner was quite amazed by it. He says, well, he said, uh, boy, I, I, just, I misjudged this one. he said, uh, what gives you your stamina, honey? you know, what are your skills? And he says, well, he says, I'll tell you. He says, you ever heard of the Sahara forest? And the, the owner says, he said, you mean the Sahara desert? He says, yeah, they renamed it after I got through with it. (laughs) It was all on perspective, right? Hey, it's all on perspective on how we win our battles. And you have a sword that's sharper than... and that will pierce to the deepest part of you. And this sword not only called the sword of the Spirit, but it's also the Word of God. How are you using your... saw? How are you using your acts? How are you using what God has given you? The Word of God. The Spirit of truth. The Spirit that you can walk in, the Spirit that will enable you, the Spirit that's given you everything you need to win the battles that you have to face. The question for us this morning is, how are you using your sword? If you've been saved, He's made that available to you.